0: Take your Bibles this morning, John's Gospel, chapter number three. John's Gospel, chapter number three. Appreciate the song by Ms. Donna and Brother John. I do love that song. What's that? It's Swedish. Yeah, she was Swedish. Swedish lady wrote that. She had a lot of health issues in her life. And uh, she wrote that song in spite of her health, health issues to learn to trust Almighty God day by day through all her things she struggled with. And God was a blessing to her. And uh, I do like that line, the protection of his child and tr- treasure is a charge that on himself he lays. Amen. God did not commit our care and well-being to some angel. It's a job he takes on himself. My friend, God's taking care of you. Amen. That's always a good thing. I always get you go to some places and you end up getting somebody. You expect to get somebody to take care of, and you end up getting some, for lack of better terminology, some lackey. And he's like, "Man, I was really hoping, you know, to get the good service here." friend, <laughs> when it comes to Christianity, we get the good service. Amen. God's a good God. He just can't help but be good. All right. We're in John's chapter number 3. We've been looking at this portion of Scripture for quite some time now. I think this will be our third Sunday in this portion of Scripture, looking at the conversation that our Lord has with Nicodemus. We're not in a hurry to get through it. We want to learn something from it that will be beneficial and help us to grow in our faith and learn to trust Almighty God. Christianity is about growing. And as we saw Nicodemus, this, this, this religious leader... This very influential man in his community, a man of, 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 of great mind and intellect, uh, we know that just by the positions he held. You didn't get to have these positions by being uh, a, not an educated man. He was a schooled man. He was knowledgeable in the things of the Bible law. He, he knew his Old Testament or the Torah, or the Testament we should say because there's no New Testament yet, He knew the law of being a member of the Sanhedrin. He knew the law. So he's an educated man, but a very religious man, and a man clinging to his religion, his deeds, his works, his righteousness as the the means of his salvation. And too many people are like Nicodemus where they are clinging to themselves. Education is a wonderful thing. We all ought to educate educate ourselves, but there is a problem in education because what does the Bible say? He said that knowledge does what? It puffs up knowledge puffs up. and the more intelligent we become the more we begin to think of ourselves and think that we're all that when compared to almighty God my friend we are as ignorant as the day is long and so God is trying to encourage Nicodemus and he takes Nicodemus this, this brilliant man this, and a good, a good man he's not a Pharisee in the sense of the way we understand that word today he's a good man but he's still lost And he's religious. And the Lord is dealing with him on that plane. His conversation with him is to get Nicodemus to the point where he knows that his religion, his good deeds, his good works will not provide him salvation. That salvation is by grace through faith and faith alone. We cannot be saved by any works of our flesh or any deeds that we may consider righteous. They, They will make us fall short. He's explained the being born again. He's talked to him about the, the, and using the illustration of the serpent in the wilderness, all things that Nicodemus would understand and uh, could identify with. And yet Nicodemus is not receiving it. Nicodemus is still confused. Nicodemus, for some reason, is either rejecting this or it's just not making sense. And we talked last week, the more intelligent we are, the less likely we are maybe to admit we don't know something. Or just the opposite, the more intelligence we have, the more we will admit we don't know something because we want to learn. A person can be found in those two schools. But more often than not, the more we fail to understand something, the more we may pretend we understand it just simply because we don't want to, be, to look ignorant in somebody that we may think is a little lesser than us. Now, again, in this conversation, as he's finishing up with Nicodemus, And again, I I always want us to make the observation on on how the Lord talks to people. on, On what level does he talk and what illustrations does he use? What language does he use with each person? I also want you to notice that in Scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ does not get into social issues. Social issues are never really a topic with our Lord. Uh, when he was asked a social issue about paying taxes, what was his response? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, unto God the things that are God, and he moved on. It's not, I'm not here to argue about taxes. When in Luke's gospel some men were fighting about an inheritance, and they're like, now Lord, you, my brother and I were fighting over the will, and we want to know uh, how is this all going to work out. He's like, uh, who made me a judge over you? I'm not here to dispute your family inheritance. That's not why I'm here. Uh, he's here to, to, to preach the gospel. And, I, and I, I remind you that the job of the local church is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. There are things in this world that do other things. Our job here is preaching the gospel and educating the saints of God. Amen. Our job, per se, is not to establish a food pantry. Yeah. Although they are not bad. That is not our focus. Our focus is feeding the souls of men. We are not here to establish a political cause that we can get uh, people of our nature into office so that we can have a better country. That's not our goal. There's other institutions doing that. Our goal is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to discuss and and, and establish other things. We're here to talk about Christ and him. And when Jesus meets with these people throughout the scripture, he does not get into the social issues. And there are plenty of social issues in the Roman Empire to discuss. He could have brought up slavery. He could have brought up a, a thousand other things. But none of those things are ever brought up. It's always about the eternal soul of man. Because earth is but a vapor. We're here for a short time. And then eternity goes on for eternity. And men get caught up in the minutiae of today and, and what 's happening now instead of worrying about what lies in the future and so our job again is to is to feed people the Word of God because we learn that from scripture, even in the book of Acts, the early church did not get involved in social issues the disciples were busy preaching the gospel and telling people the good news and how they could have salvation. That's their goal. When a man was begging, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give thee, I give thee the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he gave him the gospel. It wasn't there to, again, you want to help a man out who's struggling, that's great. But again, the church is not here for those purposes. The church is to reach people with Christ. And too often churches get... Involved in other things. And they lose what Christ condemned the church in, of Laodicea for. They lose what? Their first love. Because we're in the weeds in something else that we're not supposed to be involved in. There are plenty of things in this world to help with all of those things. You want entertainment? The world has things to entertain you. And many of them are not bad entertainment at all. You can d- go at it. And, and, and enjoy life. Our job is the gospel. And Christ here in dealing with Nicodemus, it's centered all on the gospel. Everything about this conversation is, is, is aimed at Nicodemus's heart to convince him and to, and, and to get him to the point of coming to faith in Christ. That's the goal. And so as we study these things and we study all of these conversations, all these meetings, whether it's with those women or with these men, it's all always centers around the gospel. Now, as we were studying this, and I was thinking about this and praying about this for this Sunday, we come to the most famous text in all of Scripture, John 3.16. We all can quote it by heart. We've all memorized it. We have all know it and, and have heard it a thousand times. It's one of those things that uh, preachers don't want to preach on it, but it's, we, 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 it's, we're reluctant to preach on it because for fear that somebody say, well, he's got nothing else to preach on, so he just picks the simplest text on planet Earth to preach on and just talk about it. Or... Sometimes we look at John 3.16, my friend, it's a Mount Everest. How do you begin to dismantle and dissect a Mount Everest? You don't. You just pick at it, and and, and even after you spend your entire lifetime, you have not even dented Mount Everest by picking at it. John 3.16 is a Mount Everest of Scripture. The truth, the eternal, we find here are uh, beyond our comprehending. I had a friend call me yesterday. He's a dear friend. His wife is, has divorced him uh, for various reasons. It's a rocky marriage. I won't go into all of it. I can't say he's all to blame. She's just as much to blame because... She, I, I hate to say this, but she's, it's not because she's a woman. I'm not saying that. It's, but she's one of those people, she grew up poor, and she just always wanted more. Just always wanted more. She wasn't satisfied. We got the big house. We got two nice cars. But I, 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 I want more. And no matter what he did, and of course this led him to working harder, which led him to drinking, which led to this. And so there's, there's faults on both sides of the aisle. And his marriage fell apart. She divorced him, and she's taken him to the cleaners. And he called me yesterday, and he, he said, "Matt, how you doing?" I said, "I'm doing good. It's good to hear from you." And uh, we talked for a while, and, and. Uh, Spending a lot of time on the phone. He goes, What are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, Well, we're in John chapter number three. He goes, Matt, just when, when you get up, just tell people God loves them. Just tell, encourage the people that God loves them. And here's a man who, by the way, who needs encouragement because he's, he's struggling with alcohol. His wife has left him. He's struggling at work. And, and, and what he needs to know is that everything may be against him, but he needs to know God loves him. Amen. And he told me that yesterday while I was here, and I was on the phone again. Just just tell people God loves them, Matt, because that's what he needs. And sometimes we need to be reminded that, my friend, at the end of the day, God loves us. And sometimes we overemphasize the love of God. It's all about love, 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 and we forget the other things of Scripture. Well, my friend, there's a balance in everything, and maybe today we will focus on the fact that God does love us. And God does care for us. We often get the idea that God is against us, or God's waiting to smack us, or we, we're, we're always failing and faulting, and, we're, and God's going to treat us like some, uh, un, uh, some father who can never be satisfied, some father who, who, whom a child can never get approval from. My friend, we already got God's approval. God loves us, and God cares for us. And we see in John 3:16, as, as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As I thought about it, I, I, the thought came to my mind, why did Jesus use this verse with Nicodemus? Why did he not use this in John chapter number 4 in dealing with the woman at the well, no doubt a woman who who had not known love in her life, a woman who had failed in love in her life, had been through five husbands and failed, and now was living with another man, why not use it on her? Why did he use this verse on Nicodemus? It's a good question, is it not? Why on this man? Why did Nicodemus need to hear John 3.16? What was the purpose for it all? Well, my friend, there is a purpose. There is a reason for it. As we study Nicodemus, we see who he is. We study where he came from. We know his education, his background, his occupation, everything about this. But Nicodemus is a man who the only thing he knew was uh, he knew God to be a God of holiness, a God of law, and a God of judgment. That was Nicodemus's God. That's where Nicodemus lived. God is a holy God God gave us law, and God demands righteousness. And Nicodemus lived a life trying to appease God's holiness, God's law, and obtaining righteousness by his own works and doing. Everything Nicodemus did in his life, he forgot, and he failed to recognize that God is a God of love, that God is a merciful God, that God wants to love, and God does love his creation that God does love mankind. The Pharisees, as we know them, did not stress the love of God. So one can understand why, when we consider how evil man is, one would not think that God would love mankind, but God does. God does love this world. No matter what sin we see going on out there in the world, although God is angry with the wicked every day, it does not neglect the fact that God does love men. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants men to be saved. So again, it's 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 this verse deals with the with Nicodemus, but it also deals with him because it's unequaled in any other religion. In other religions, they we don't have a God of love. Allah, my friend, is not a God of love. Nowhere in the Koran does it talk about God or Allah being a God of love. He's a God of judgment, a God of wrath, and a God uh, waiting to, to punish people. But we see with our God and Jesus Christ and who he is, everything about our Savior, we see God, we see our Savior, what he did, it's all about love and, and caring for people. Oh, those guys over there, you know, we, we, we don't like them. Can we, can we pray fire down from heaven and burn them up? What's your guys' problem? We don't want, we're not in the burning business. We're not here to burn people up. Hey, we call all the guys out there preaching your name. Should we tell them to be quiet? No. <laughs> They're not against us, you know. That's okay. You know, No matter who he came in contact with, he was always willing to help and, and be compassionate with, whether it was the crowd. They, they got no food, boys. What do we do? Send them home. Who cares? We we can't send them home. We've got to feed them. We've got to feed them. What what caused him to do that? Well, he loved them. He loved them and wanted to feed them, so he fed them lunch. What caused him to go to Samaria out of his way? Well, there was a woman that he loved. What caused him to get on the boat of the Gadareans and and cross the sea to the Gadareans to visit a, a, a demoniac, a man possessed with a thousand demons? Well, he loved them. He loved them. We say, stay away, there's a nut over there. God the stay away from that weirdo. Don't forget that woman, well. she's a mess, forget her. No, God loves his creation. God loves people, he's a gracious God. So when we think about all the religions of the world, again, God's a God of love. The gods are, can be cruel. They're gods of punishment, they're gods of judgment. They're, they are corrupt gods, but not our God. When we think about this idea of the love of God, it proclaims love for a person, You know, love can affect a person in a very strange way. When a person is loved, it it, it changes their life. The problem in life, sometimes people have never been loved, so they, they don't know what it's like to give or to receive love. So with this one proclamation that Jesus Christ makes here, he's expressing to Nicodemus that God does love people. Regardless of what you think, think Nicodemus, I know you got got all your laws and righteousness and you think God's waiting to beat people up with a newspaper every single day no, no, God loves people if God be for us who can be against us? God's for me, you know, God is on my side and if, you know and if I'm doing wrong and if I'm sinning, my God will deal with me but he deals with me, why? Because he loves me he loves me and he, he cares for me. And he has my best and, and his glorification in, in, in sight. When a, if you've been in love and maybe you fell in love with somebody and, and you're hoping that somehow that person will fall in love with you. It's always bad when you fall in love with somebody and it's not reciprocated. It always leads to heartache and pain. But when Somebody that you care about finally expresses their love to you, it ought to be an exciting thing. You ought to walk on the moon as they speak. You ought to do something in your soul that so and so, whom I love, actually loves me. And woohoo! And, and next thing you know, you're posting it on Facebook, letting the whole world know that so and so loves you and, 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 and what it does for you and how excited you are. Well, oh, my friend. With Christ here, he starts off this phrase with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you understand something. God loves the world. You think God's ready to judge it because they're not as righteous as he are and, and nobody's living as holy as you are. But Nicodemus, you need to understand something. God loves these people. God loves them. And God's love is demonstrated in the fact that, uh, of Christ himself. So again, this proclamation never affected Anybody? In the way this one did. I mean, nobody has ever been told, I love you by somebody, and had it affect them as much as this I love you affects you. This one changes everything because the God of the universe loves me. God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Or the Bible tells me so. Well, where, did, where did we learn that from? Well, John 3:16. God loves me. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, yellow, black, brown, and white, they are precious. And it's like I used to love that song when I was a kid. Don't tell nobody, but it was one of my favorites because Jesus loved me. Uh, when you get to be a teenager, you can't sing those songs. They weren't too cool to sing those songs then when you get your brain back, then you're like, those are good songs. Let me sing them again. Amen? <laughs> Jesus loves me, and Jesus loves the little children. God knows who I am. God knows who, who I, where I live. So this proclamation, no matter whoever told you I love you, no matter whoever said I love you to you, it should, it's not as big a deal as the fact that God is reaching out of heaven and God is expressing his love to mankind, that God does love us. But he says, God so love." That word "so" in the Greek word means it has several meanings. One meaning is in this manner, in the way described. This tells us God's love is patterned after the illustration which Christ had just given. What illustration has he just given? He's given the illustration of the serpent in the wilderness. In spite of their rebellion, in spite of their sin there in the wilderness, what did God do? God provided a remedy for those rebellious people. And that remedy was that brass serpent. If you look at it, i got a remedy for you. This remedy will take care of your problem. So in spite of man's sin, God's love provided a remedy for those Israelites. Likewise, in spite of our sin, God's love provided a remedy for us. So we have that word, so. There, for God so loved. Another meaning that word translated so involves intensity. It means so greatly. You know, a man may look at a woman and say, you know what, I, I would give worlds. I would give worlds if she would just love me. If God gave me all the worlds and every, all, everything in the universe or have her love, I would give them all up just to have her love. And so God's word translated here so again involves intensity. It's a great love. It's not just a I love you until you aggravate me. It's not a love that you know I, I love you until unless uh, something better comes along. It's a love that is it, it, it's intense. It's a great love. My friend God never does anything halfway or half hearted. If God loves someone it will be as no one else is love. We need to understand that. God's, you know, we, people fall in love and they fall out of love. But God doesn't fall out of love because the Bible tells us that what is God? God is love. One attribute that God gave man is the ability to love. What a fascinating and wonderful thing to be in love and have that ability to love. Sometimes when... A person dies, things move on, it hurts. We said goodbye to Matt the other day. I held everything inside, had a few tears. His mother was breaking down, his his brothers were breaking down, but I was breaking down inside. I remained my manliness, hugged him with a tear on my cheek, said, we love you, and we're going to miss you. And we said goodbye, and he headed off on his direction, and we came back home here. Why? Because we love our son. We miss our son. No, he's in God's will, but we love him. We say goodbye to family and friends, and we love them, and, uh, and we care for them. Sometimes we may fall out of love with somebody. Well, I used to be in love with them, but I'm not, I I don't think you ever fall out of love with anybody. I, I truly don't. I, I don't want to go there too much, but I think love is love, and love never fades. It may get buried under hurt, and it may get buried under bitterness. It may get buried, but it's, in some sense, it's always still there. It's always still there. So God loved, and again, it's It's a great love. It's a full love. It's a love that you and I don't fully comprehend because, again, our love is always conditional uh, for the most part. As long as someone treats us good, we will love them. As long as somebody's faithful, we will love them. But God's love, even we see here, he loves us. And we'll get to a few more things here in these verses. Again, the persistency of God's love. Notice the word there. He says, For God so loved, loved. The word being past tense, it's a past tense word. We say, What's the significance of that? That means God loved us before we were redeemed. I was in high school. You may not like this story, but it's just the way it was. Sometimes truth hurts freshman year there was a girl I sat next to her, I won't mention her name, she was a nice girl, I wasn't in love with her, didn't like her, had no interest in her, she was just a girl, we, we got along just fine, we'd see each other in the hallway, we'd say hi to each other, we had classes together, she was a nice girl, and so we were friends, just friends, that's all it was, I had no interest in her, again, freshman year, over the summer into sophomore year, you know, things changed, human nature changed, and so she changed, she got different hair, she grew up a little bit, and, and next thing you know, everybody in school noticed this girl. She became one of the pretty girls of school. But unfortunately, with her prettiness and her newfound look and new hairstyle and everything else, her heart also changed. So when I went to school and said, "Hey, how you doing?" she walked right past me. Because <laughs> I'm still the same guy. I'm still the same village idiot. And you know, nothing's changed with me. My hair still looks the same. I'm still breaking out. And it's so, on. You know, I'm like. Whatever, whatever. I knew it right away. She's, you know, she's, she. We used to use the expression. I don't know if you ever heard this expression. She got stuck up. Everybody, everybody She's stuck up. And so she, she's stuck up. And but you know, didn't stop all these guys from trying to chase her down the hallway. But she walked down the hallway, you know, like the, you know, and, guys, and I was like, and all these guys, guys, you got to get some manhood about you and stop chasing that girl. Act like a man, will you? But you know. It's amazing how a person can change. You know, there she was last year. Nobody noticed her. Now all of a sudden, everybody's, all the guys are on her like white on rice. That's how it rolls. My friend, God loved us before. (laughs) What does it say in Romans? He loved us while we were what? Yet sinners. Again, we use the illustration of somebody who's just flat out, that just... Stinks, they're dirty, they're slimy, they're ugly, their breath stinks, they got warts, and even their warts got warts and, and their warts got pimples and their hair has been washed in six months, it's just a greasy mess. It's just a disaster and you won't look like, I love them. <laughs> no. Sorry. Pastor, that's so vain. Yes, it is vain. I'm trying to make an illustration here. God loved us when we had the warts and all. God loved us. God didn't say, you know what? When you fix up yourself a little bit better, when you hit that growth spurt and, 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 and you fix your hair up a little bit and discover makeup, then I'll be on you. No, God loved us while we were yet sinners. Anybody can fall in love with a good-looking person. It takes a lot to fall in love with somebody that's not so good-looking and maybe not so nice. We had a guy come to church here. Again, he won't like this story, but just the way it was, a guy comes to church, he goes, I don't understand my brother. My brother's a good-looking guy, and he married this real ugly girl. She's ugly, man, and she's nasty, too. I said, well, maybe she's a nice person. No, she's nasty, too. She's ugly, and she's nasty, and he's going on and on talking about his brother's wife. You may not like it, but that's just the way it happened. And so, <laughs> you won't like this part either. I had to go to a house one day to fix it. I said, this name's familiar, this guy comes to the door, big, tall, good-looking guy. And he said, my wife will take you downstairs and show you. And then this other lady came out. and, I, and I, I'm like, that's his brother. And that's his wife. Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> that's mean, isn't it? <laughs> All the ladies look at me. That's so vain. Well, I know it is vain, but I just like, Why? He could probably get any girl he wants, but he chose her. But God bless him, he's he happy. And, and she was mean to him. She was, she was yelling at him the whole entire time, and he's like running around. And, she's, and I'm like, dude, you need to straighten her out. She just, she's just mean. She's not even nice. She's just mean and unattractive to boot. But he loved her. That's all. I'm, I told you we didn't like that illustration, but that's just the way it was. We're just keeping it real. This is this is gospel like real Baptist church here. We're just we're just keeping it real. And so I'm like, dude, I don't know what your problem is, but he loved her. And that's all that, and he had to live with her by the way. I didn't have to go I didn't have to stay there with her. Amen. He I, I the job was done, I checked out. He had to stay there. But he loved her. That's all that mattered. And they're still together. I just saw him a few weeks ago in a restaurant. I go, It's so-and-so. Elbow oh, my wife, It's so-and-so's brother, and that's his wife. Remember I told you about that? And she still didn't get any better looking, but she still, there she is. But he loved her. Well, my friend, can I encourage you? God loved you when you looked like that woman. Amen? God loved you. Brother Keston, I'm sorry. That's just, God. that's how we look, by the way. God loved you. Now you see, there's an inner beauty she didn't have that either. I just, I was looking. It wasn't there. It just wasn't, I was hoping, maybe maybe she had money, you know, <laughs> to, go to go to the third option. But, no, there just wasn't there either. But he, he loved her. And that's all that matters. My friend, why did God love you and I? What's there about you and me that says, God says, I love that person. But God does. God loves his creation. Now pray for me. I have to go home. My wife's going to give me a lecture on this part of the sermon later on. <laughs> and, uh because people ask her all the time, what, what, you, what were you thinking, Renee? What, what was, did he have money? What was the story? But there, there, there we are. We just celebrated yesterday 34 years of wedded bliss. Amen, sweetheart? That's it. So she's stuck. John chapter 1, 1 John says, 1 John 4, 8, and God is love. So we see God's love is past tense because God loved us don't think God likes you anymore because now they're a Christian I like them better now we know that when we the more we do for Christ the more God love he demonstrates towards us but his love stays the same it's still the same love God loves those sinners out there God loves them people that are doing all kind of wacky stuff out there God loves them God cares for them you know, we have this thing today with pronouns. everybody got to use pronouns. I don't use pronouns, by the way. And don't ask me to use your pronouns. I don't, I don't, I don't go there. But using pronouns is not, it's nothing new. It's in the Bible, by the way. You know, using pronouns is found in Scripture. You can see that in the Bible, but it's there. Because Jesus ran over, Jesus ran into one of them pronoun users there in Scripture. If you travel over to Gadarenes, he met the, the demoniac, and he said, What's your name? He said, My name is Legion, for we are many. He was meeting they, them. <laughs> he, was, he was meeting they, them. You always got to wonder about somebody who says their pronouns are they, them. You got to wonder, who, who, who's in there? <laughs> How many you got going on in there? You meet me, it's just me. Amen. Sometimes I say we. I did it one time. I said, well, I just, we just wanted to come see you. She goes, who's we? It's just you. I said, me and the Lord. <laughs> me and the Lord. I, mean, I got the Holy Spirit in here, amen? So we came to see you. And she didn't understand that because she was not saved at the time. But my friend, so there you got they them. Jesus went to the they them crowd (laughs) to talk to him about Christ. And 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 he got that man saved. And when he got saved, he got clothed and he got in his right mind and didn't use pronouns anymore. (laughs) He just he was born again by the grace of God. The proof of God's love. What's the proof of God's love? People say, Oh, God's a God of love. Why do we have cancer? Why are babies getting sick and dying? If God's a God of love, why do, why do we have so much crime and war? If God's a God of love, why are people getting uh, molested and all these bad things happening? Where is the proof of God's love? Well, the proof of God's love is that God gave. God gave. My friend, God, lo- giving is, is a sign of love. Love never demands anything. You know, if you love me, you do this. And girls, never fall for that line for some guy. If you love me... Now, now, if you loved me, you wouldn't ask me for anything. Right. Because love gives. Love wants to do something. That's why we express our love by giving things. You know, we want to do something. My father loved me. I knew my father loved me when my father was in a nursing home. My father wanted to do something for me. So every time I went there, my father would have a Ziploc bag filled with sugar packages that he stole from the nursing home. Every meal, he'd just grab a handful, put it in his pocket. So I would go to visit him, and he'd hand me a Ziploc bag. Here, take this, Dad. I don't want the sugar. Take it! Dad, I, I don't need sugar. This is not, we're not in the Great Depression. We get, I can get sugar. Back the sugar! I hate to tell you, but the church was using stolen sugar for years here at, at our fellowships. So I really shouldn't tell you that, but I just all those sugar. I had it. Sometimes I would take it and throw it back into the kitchen, but I'd just take this. He'd watch me me glare at me and make sure I didn't... Why did my father want to give me stolen sugar? Well, he loved me. He wanted to give me something. He wanted to give the kids something. My, I'd take my kids to, to visit him, and, and he'd always try to give them something from the, the nursing home. He maybe saved a piece of chocolate or something. He was always trying to give... Well, that was his way of expressing his love. He wanted to give something. So he gave stolen sugar. And so, again, I don't encourage you to steal sugar. That's not what we do. We love... It's sacrificial love. So God loved, and he sent his son. So that again, God's love is a giving love. It's, again, it's just not words. It's love is manifested in deeds. I had a friend of mine, he's a preacher now, and he says early on in his marriage, he wasn't a preacher then, early on in his marriage he treated his wife rough. They had a rough go of it. And he'd always come back and say, you know, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And the next day treat her rough and then come back, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And finally one day, after doing that for about a year, she finally looked at him and she said, No, your, your, your actions, your actions are speaking louder than your words. I mean, if you love me, you won't be doing this nonsense all day long and every day of the week if you loved me. Because love doesn't do that. That's not what love does. God's love gives. And God's love is giving because God gave his son on Calvary's cross for our greatest need which is not cancer or finances, but our greatest need is that of our sin problem, the sin debt that we owe. One can give and and not love, but one cannot love and not give. Again, one of the first evidences of love in in courtship is, is the giving of gifts. You want to do something for somebody. What can I give them? Maybe you buy a box of chocolates. Maybe you get them flowers. Maybe you do something. I want to get him something nice. I want to get her something nice. Why? That's just what love does. It's been put in... You don't even think about it. You know, nobody has to tell you to do that. Love makes you do that. It's just built into the DNA of it. Because that's what God does. God loves, so God gave. God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary's cross. There's the price of God's love that God gave his only begotten son. The fact that God, we see here that God loved us so much, he gave what? The most precious thing he had. What is the most precious thing you own? What is it you love the most? Sometimes people love objects. They have things. I knew a man had a car. He loved that car. Every Saturday, he took that car out and detailed his car every Saturday. He spent three hours on that car every Saturday. I'm like, dude, how dirty did it get from the garage all week long? Because you never drive the crazy thing. And it's just sits in there, but every week and he'd pull it out and detail that that beautiful car. He loved that car. I knew a guy lived up the street here, an older fella. He passed away, but he had a, I forget what year it was, but it was a beautiful, large pink Cadillac. It was a beautiful car. That car went from he lived on Carney Avenue in the in the the corner caddy corner from Quick Check. That car went from Carniev to Shoprite and back, and then in the garage. And that old man's claimed the fame. Him and his wife. He, you know, nobody's ever sat in the back seat. It's just pristine. It was a beautiful car, just a beautiful Cadillac. Well, he she died, then he died, and the granddaughter from Ohio came and hopped in that car with six friends and took off. <laughs> they had people in that back seat, they were a, bunch of, a bunch of college kids taking off driving a pink Cadillac. And uh, can you imagine? But again, my friend, when we love something, we'll, we'll, we'll devote time and effort into it. And that man loved that Cadillac. He'd take it out of that car and take care of his Cadillac. Loved that car. But again, you die, you leave it behind. Nobody's taking anything with you. I did see a guy was buried in his car recently. They dug a big giant hole, put him in the front seat, propped him up sitting there in the front seat. No, no cat, just sitting there. And they dug a hole and dropped him in the, in, in, in the hole and, and buried the car. He loved that car, so he's just sitting in the car. <laughs> but I guarantee you, a thousand years from now, there's just going to be a, him holding a, a plastic wheel and the car is going to be gone and he's not driving anything. He's not driving around eternity. It's not happening. We love something. We love something, and we care for something. We want to do something for people, and we, when we take care of it, God gave. He gave so much. He gave the best that he had in Christ, and he took care of our greatest need. In fact, when we think about God, we think what God did, and God's love is manifested in Christ, who is God in the flesh. Our salvation was not purchased by a God or an angel. It was God who purchased it for us. You know, you, sometimes a person may have money. They may send somebody else out to buy gifts. Go to the store and buy this for me. My father, here, go to the store and get your mother something for Christmas. What do you want me to get her, Dad? I don't know, i just get something. Well, it really was a very impersonal gift. And, and sometimes when he did buy her a gift, he'd come home with a large, giant, you know, two-gallon bottle of perfume, you know, the good stuff, which my mother would never put on. But <laughs> Dad never got the concept, the smaller the bottle, the better the, the perfume. You know, he thought, look at this deal. I've got this whole gallon here. And, uh, you know, it smells like, you know, Midnight Swamp in France or something, some, some weird name. And so she never got Chanel number 5 or any other channel. She just never got any of those things, all right? We want to give the best. I save my money. I go up to the drug fair on Kearney Avenue, and I buy my mom an expensive knick-knack. I get her a Hummel. I get her a Norman Rockwell figure and some other, and, and buy those, this is for my mom, I, I, this is costing me a great deal here to get this but I love my mom, I want to get her something nice she said, why are you spending your money, why are you wasting your money on this you don't have to do this for me ma. I, I want to do something for you, I'm expressing my love for you so I'm buying you something that you like my father hated knickknacks, they're just dust collectors you can't eat them so, yeah dad, but we, she likes them, it makes her happy so let her have them, it makes her happy in life whatever makes her happy, that's fine I tell Renee she wants this. Whatever, whatever makes you happy, sweetheart. You want it? Go ahead and buy it. We'll go to the store, and she'll look at it and walk around it for three hours and come back at it. Do you want it or not? You can buy it. I'm not going to yell at you. It's just if you want it, go ahead and buy it. I don't know if I should. It's a lot of money. It's, don't worry about money. You know, it's 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 money's. It's 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 just we need more. God will take care of us, and but we're not wasting it. You like it? Get it. So she'll buy it. Just so too late, late, later she can take it back, and uh, right, miss Jenny <laughs> God I love her, but you want it, take it, get it we 'll buy it. that makes you happy god 's love again, the prerequisite of god 's love, who can receive god 's love? I like this, he says that whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth the prerequisite for befitting of God's love. And God's love is is great, it's wonderful, but it, it will not benefit you unless it's for you. It's not for you. There are places you and I can't go in life because we're not members of some things. Maybe you have to be a member to be part of this club. I had an opportunity a few years ago to visit Trump's golf course in Bedminster, It really is an award ceremony. I went to an award ceremony out there, but they said it's going to be held out there. I said, I'd like to see that place. It cost me $65 to get in the door. But they said, to be a member of this place and to play golf on this course, it cost you $250,000 a year membership. I said, well, I don't think I could swing that. We were at golfing when we were on vacation. We were having a good time, and and the windmill kept knocking my ball out of the way. But that's, that's, that's where we golf. Alright? And then I couldn't, you know, I didn't win the free game because I didn't sink the last putt as it went uphill and around the, around the rock and past the clown. I, I had trouble with that shot. It's $250,000, I can't hang out at this golf course. I don't have that kind of money. I'm not allowed to be there. But I was allowed there for that one night for that one little ceremony. And then we, I stole the napkin from the bathroom and, 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 and uh, here we are. I can't go there. I'm not a member. Well, oh, my friend, when it comes to God's love, God's love says, whosoever believeth. Whosoever believeth. Again, I, I may not be much in life, but God made me a whosoever. I can be part of that club. It's whoever. Don't well, anybody ever tell you otherwise that whosoever doesn't mean whosoever. Whosoever means whosoever. You don't need some Greek education to dissect it and that it only means that this crowd, that crowd, know. It's whosoever. Whoever wants to come along and believes. This truth, just like whosoever believes that a brass serpent, by looking at it, can heal you of a snake bite, can, 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 can get rid of poison in your body, just by believing that Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross and paid for my sins, if I acknowledge my sin, that somehow God removes sin from me and gives me righteousness. That's it, whosoever, that's whosoever. Anybody, anybody, no matter where, no matter where. I'm glad when I go to Africa, when I do have been there, and I, I preach the same message there as I do here. It doesn't change over there. I'm sorry, there's a different message because you people are on a different continent, a different part of the world, and so it has to change a little bit. No, it's the same message. Whosoever. God's love, is, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a love for all mankind. The protection of God's love. Why? Should not perish. What does God, what does love do? Love protects us. I love my children. I provided a roof for my kids. I provided shelter for my kids. I provided bedding for my kids. I provided uh, blankets for my children. I provided clothes for my children. I provided air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter. All to protect and take care of my children. When they went out to the pond to play, we made sure they had warm coats to put on. Why? We are protecting them. My love wanted to take care of them. God's love protects us because He says His love's there. Whosoever believeth, why? So they should not perish. Because mankind is perishing. But if man will accept God's love, they don't have to perish. They don't have to go there. Again, this is speaking of, also of spiritual protection. And this is the protection we need the most. People are interested in protection, people, insurance companies. How much protection do you have? If you die, how much does your wife get? How much insurance do you have? All this kind of insurance. If you crash your car, what kind of insurance do you have? Again, nothing wrong with any of those things. It's good wisdom if you can afford them. But, my friend, protection, if you get hurt in an accident, are you, having, are you protected? Can you go to the hospital and know your bills be paid for? They're all wonderful things. But, my friend, the most important thing is your eternal soul. Your eternal soul. Is it protected? Is it protected? Is it under the blood as, the, as we speak of Egypt? Are you safe within the house? Is the blood of Christ on there? So that when death comes by, death cannot grab you. Because you're under the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you have believed upon the name of the only begotten Son of God. We notice that phrase there, should not. Should not. Should not. This protection never ends. There's no exception clause. It's a permanent we all have insurance or something. If we don't pay them, the, the insurance ends. I'm sorry, sir, you have no insurance. Why? Well, you missed a couple of payments. I'm sorry. So we cut you off. Oh, man. I didn't know. I got insurance when I got my first car. 1982, I purchased a car. I was in high school. I purchased a car, went up Carney Avenue, got Allstate insurance. I was in good hands with Allstate. And, 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 and then had that all. And then I got married, and then somewhere around 1991, Renee and I came home from vacation. I got a letter in the mail saying, We're terminating you, Mr. Swajkowski. You're no longer part of Allstate. You'll have to this date. I called him, Why are you terminating me? And the guy's like, I have no idea. It's just what the company does. I said, I have no accidents, I have no speeding tickets, I got nothing wrong with me. Why are you terminating me? So it's just what the company does. I said, well, you know what? Allstate can drop dead, and they'll never get another dime of my money. That's in the Greek language, by the way. If you read the Bible in there, that's in there where you tell insurance companies to go pound salt. And so I told them, well, we can go with Allstate. Allstate, forget Allstate. They dropped us for no reason. They're never get a dime of my money. We'll go to some other Krookwak organization and give it to them. But we're not giving it to Allstate. They dropped me for no good reason. All these years, with all state, over ten years almost with all state, and they dumped me, well, my friend i 'm glad that when God loves me and God gave me spiritual protection, He says it 's there, He should not, should not it 's permanent. And he says it's again it should have everlasting life, one of the provisions of this love. When we give a gift what what 's that gift do? I gave my mom a knickknack what did it do? It just sat on the shelf. Just sat there, and it collected dust. And she'd take them down every now and then, and dust them off, wash them, and put it back on the shelf. But we give a gift. What's the purpose of it? Give somebody a box of chocolates? What's it do for them? Gives them five pounds on the hips. That's what it does. But we give that gift because we love them and they enjoy the chocolate. Maybe we, we went out to dinner last night. My son gave us a gift card to a fancy restaurant. So we went out to a fancy restaurant last night with a $100 gift card. And uh, he should have gave us for a $150 gift card. But we, we, uh, we uh, <laughs> it was an expensive place. Actually, 100, $170, $180 gift card with the tip. And then the valet outside gave him five bucks. It was a 200 buck meal. I have to tell him, son, step up your game. I need another $200 gift card for this place. And uh, so I went there. We had a wonderful meal last night at this fancy restaurant out there in Wachung area. We enjoyed it and sat there. You know, you always sit around like, here we are. We're like carny people. Like, remember just guys making over, you know, all these fancy rich people, and we were just... You know, corny's here, right, man? Anyhow, I, won't, I, I have a lot of bad things in my head sometimes. I can't just say... Don't make me go corny on you, amen. Don't <laughs> take, take you out, rich boy. Anyway, I wouldn't do that, but you know, it's, the old nature sometimes <laughs> comes up. But we had a wonderful time. The staff was great. The restaurant was wonderful. But my friend, what was the purpose of that gift? So that we could eat, we had a good meal. We enjoyed it. We had a w- fun time. It overlooked a little lake. We were watching people fishing out there. And we enjoyed the meal and the dessert and everything with it. It even gives a plate that said happy anniversary on it with a candle on it. And, and Renee got two bites, and I helped finish off the rest. Love does something. It, it, it should have an effect on you. It's giving you something that you can use. What is this love doing for me? Well, this love is giving me everlasting life. This love that God gave is the greatest gift because I can never give anybody that kind of gift. I, I bought uh, two of my son's cars, the third son is hoping for one. Where's he at? He's outside. He's hoping for one. It hasn't happened yet, but I gave, bought my two boys cars when they're in, in college. Here's a car for you, and, uh, and, and, and we're able to afford this, and uh, this is a good learner car for you. And Ethan still has his learner car, and it's been a good car. But again, that car will wear out one day. The first car I bought, the, the transmission died for Matty, so I, we went down found another car. I bought him another car. I felt bad, so we bought him another car. And um, he used that car for the longest time, well into his married years. But again, it died. It died. God's love is eternal and it's everlasting life. I, 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 you can't beat that gift. That's the gift that God gives. It's abundant. And again, it's everlasting. Again, everything we buy has warranties. And most times when you have that warranty, there's an exception clause. Oh, I'm sorry, sir well you 're going to replace my phone? We do replace your phone, but that 's got a scratch on the glass, so it's kind of voided. You used it, and so therefore it voided the warranty And so there you know this warranty's no good, no good that 's how life is. a lot of things work, but my friend God. That's an eternal provision where it's everlasting. And it's present tense, by the way. It doesn't start when you die. It's present. I have that now. I'm not going to die because Jesus Christ loved me and gave me a gift. It's everlasting life. In other words, my friend, I'm saved. I'm secure in Jesus Christ. And once you become a child of God, you cannot cease being a child of God. You're a child of God. God does not disown his people. And so in that one text, that one verse with, with uh, Nicodemus, Nicodemus is, is, is basically shot down. His religion is shot down. His works are shot down. Everything he has put his life uh, in uh, stock in is, has been wiped out because it all been done away with because God loves us. And this is all God's work. This is all God's doing. And this is what God wants to do and God has done for you. Nicodemus, you need to understand that, Nicodemus. Your rituals and rites, they're no good. You need to experience God's love and come to those terms. And Nicodemus is going, I don't get it. He'll get it, but he's just not getting it now. (laughs) And we get it because you're here because hopefully you're saved and know the Lord. But that one phrase, that one verse, that one little verse, this, the gospel encapsulated for us that God loved us, that Christ died for us, and it's a salvation that whosoever believes can have everlasting life so that we won't perish. It's all wrapped up for us. No other added, and If there's more to it, he would have said more to it there, but he didn't. He gave Nicodemus everything he needed to know. This is, this is it. Let's stand together for prayer. Oh, well, Lord, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Christ who loved us. God, you loved us. And, Lord, we not even scratching the surface on that thought. It's too big, it's too deep, it's too vast, it's too incomprehensible that you would love us. But, Lord, you say it, so therefore we believe it. Know that we are accepted. And bless this time and invitation, we pray in Jesus' name.